Hello and welcome to Keyframes, a podcast about anime. I'm your host, Ben Halliburton, and with me today is Andy. Hi, hey. Duncan. Hey. And Jeff. Yellow. You had an inkling of it because we had our end of season episode recently. Now we have our beginning of season episode, our first third of season episode. Uh, we'll be talking about the spring 2021 anime season and we'll be going through everything. We're not as thorough even together as John is alone, but we're going <laughs> to be covering a lot of ground here. Uh, and so I think I'm going to go ahead and start with the six shows that I'm watching and we'll hopefully just trade off uh, between people and what they're watching. Um, I think I'm the only one actively watching SSSS Dynazenon. I mean, I think... I'm watching it, yeah, but I'm not up to date, so... But I mean, I'm, <laughs> I'm interested to hear someone who's more enthused with it than I am, opinion. Oh, no. That's... And I'd, I've, <laughs> I watched the first couple of episodes, and I could feel my brain going into heavy Franks mode, and so I've opted to just binge it at the end of the season, so I don't drive myself and you guys crazy. It's an interesting thing because I was talking before the podcast about how like when you make a good thing and then you make something else that shares the same name as the good thing, people expect it to be good, too. And I think that's probably a downside for Dinozenon because it's definitely only resembles Gridman insofar as the basic outlines of its plot and the studio running it and the four S's before the like ridiculous made up name of the robot. So so quadruple S Dinozenon is about four people, kind of five people, who are all just kind of like floating through life. And then they basically get recruited by this weird transformer robot thing that's made of different robots, classically. Uh, and they fight kaiju. And then they find themselves opposed to a group of people known as the kaiju eugenicists, who just really like making kaiju rec stuff. They don't really have much of a philosophy or ethos yet, Donnie, but, uh, but they are obviously the antagonists and the, one of the five losers, uh, Gauma is a former member of their number before he became just like weird homeless, uh, Kamina from, from, uh, from Gurren Lagann. Uh, I, I can see where there are hooks that make you think this is going to be something grand, I mostly just like the characterization. Um, I really like Yume, Minari Yume, who's like the sad girl who stands people up on dates and then like watches them from afar to like see how they react and like watch them in their pain. The This is one of those definite robot shows where the battles themselves, I could take or leave. They don't even give me a good Itano circus when they fire a bunch of rockets. They just kind of like fly. <laughs> they fly like normal rockets, do. They just go straight to the target. I'm not here for that shit. But um, I want them to go everywhere and then converge on the target. But in terms of the interpersonal stuff, um, I like the dynamics. I, I think it's a show that at the very least I will end up very fond of the characters. And I don't really care if the robot Dynazenon has to like punch the sun or get married in space or what have you. I, I, I'm just enjoying, enjoying the characters, especially there's a whole subplot where, um, Minari Yume has an older sister. Um, and she's like talking to people from her like old club who have now graduated, trying to like learn more about her sister. And sometimes the main potato coon guy, cause of course that's, it's, it's, it's mean girl, potato coon, little girl, neat and homeless Kamina. Are the are, are the are the five elemental archetypes of anime? Yeah, but uh, <laughs> but yeah, just like watching him like tag along as she's like trying to f discover who her sister was, 
And unfortunately, I have a bit of Jeff brain there. We're like, maybe her sister's soul is inside the Dynazenon. But um, <laughs> but hopefully not. Hopefully it's just like a bunch of interesting people who get roped together and have to become friends because they have to be friends to to pilot the like Megazord that they've inherited randomly. I don't is, know. Is the, I'm happy to see more. Is there hooks back to the first season? Like is no, no absolutely no, not, not okay. <laughs> none whatsoever. <laughs> I mean, besides just like the premise, the premise feels Gridmanny, right. but uh, no, I'm just wondering not... whether like one of the sister that she's trying to find is one of the characters in the previous series. No, I don't believe so. No, okay. I believe that that's the do you, case. Have you met this? Do you have seen like pictures of the sister? No, it's it's interesting. And she when she sits down with the like because she goes to the guy who was in charge of the Coral Club. We're doing just plot plot rehashing now, yeah. so I won't take long here. But uh, she goes to the guy, who, the guy who is the, te- the, the teacher advisor for the Coral Club, and he's like, oh, yeah, I don't really remember her. Um, but this person was really involved in the club. If she, if, if she, like, if she was in it, she'll remember her. Um, and she goes and meets with the girl at, at, uh, at it's some sort of, like, weird Starbucks butchering. It's like called Starbo's. <laughs> um, but they, uh, and she's just like, oh, yeah, I remember her. She was really, like, bright and happy and sunny, and she, like, was really dedicated to Coral Club and wanted everyone around her to be happy. And Minari is like, that's that's not how I remember my sister. Thank you for letting me know. And then the person's like, oh, this other guy took a video of one of their performances. You can probably ask him and he'll show it. And you can you can see your sister performing like like she wanted you to see. And so, yeah, like. It often happens when you're watching Actually, this will this will touch back to when I talk about Gasaraki after the break. It often happens in giant robot shows. You have to kind of ignore the giant robot parts. Just pull out your phone or like mm. go get a drink while the giant robot stuff's happening to come back for the character work uh, or the political intrigue. And that's what one of these is thus far. But it's, it's beautifully animated. Um, and I like the characters. I think all the designs are interesting, except for like the, the kaiju eugenicists look, look ridiculous. They're all wearing like if, if someone put like naval uniforms through a blender and then <laughs> they have to just choose what they can what they can wear there. But yeah, I'm enjoying it. Hoping, hoping to see more. And I don't really get the impression that they're doing a sort of like weird pocket space, someone secretly got thing this time, but we'll see. If they, did it, if they did it again, I would, if they did it again, I would resent it. So I'm fine with that. Yeah. Uh, anyway, moving on. This is something else that I have some overlap with, with Jeff. Uh, I'm watching Nagatoro. I don't have a terrible <laughs> amount to say about it. Um, oh, I'm except watching that, that too. <laughs> Everybody is. Yes, everybody. I mean, like flirt, the flirting bullies subgenre of shonen romance anime um, continues to go strong during this this year of loneliness and personal <laughs> isolation. We we all just want a girl to be really mean to us and then let us touch her so that she can call us a creep and, and mean, laugh at this us. This is like the the final three, isn't it? Like the the big three of this stuff. You have Sekikun, you have Nagatoro, and you have um, the other Zaki. one. Uzaki. Uh, yeah, and, and which is canceled now because of the because of the capital capital riot. But <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, but I mean, for me, I, I I hate the main character a lot, and I'm glad that there's a woman who's taking. Who this... do you who do you consider the main character? Okay, you you hate the guy. I hate the guy because he's a piece of shit incel motherfucker, and I I'm happy that there's someone who has the patience to put up with his like incel bullshit as she tries to bully him into having a real fucking life. I really he hate him. He kind of just wants to be left alone, though. He kind of just wants to be left yeah, alone, and way, she's just there. Yeah, but he could just say it. 
he doesn't because he's a, <laughs> just be like leave me alone like the the thing with the thing with the thing with Izaki-kun is then that the anime's he, over yeah I, oh, <laughs> I, I know like, but, okay. but the thing with Izaki-kun is he is like leave me alone you're really annoying oh, that's, leave that's me true. alone that's fair uh, and he doesn't and that's the joke but he doesn't even do that he's just a piece of shit I, yeah, I but like him. he he very explicitly <laughs> does not want her to leave him alone like that like he is yeah. entirely into it he like, just wants her to be nice to him <laughs> <laughs> We're just gonna have a big argument about this word show. Uh, sorry, I was just gonna say Nagatoro-san's really well animated for a piece of shit show that it really is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. For 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 the dumpster anime, it is. It's not hard to figure out, listeners, if you haven't figured out from us arguing. Um, a shy guy who like doesn't have any friends accidentally spills his manga in front of his underclassmen and she thinks he's a, a pathetic creep having looked at his manga and so she makes it her like life's goal just to torture the shit out of him but he is like his her argument was hilarious when she's like he's like right act it out like act out your manga and you'll see what a fucking <laughs> awful thing you've made it and i fucking applaud her for it i thought it was yeah. genius i i like her a lot i hate the main guy he can go Back off and die, but I'm there for Nagatoro bullying the shit out of him. You, you are right there next to Nagatoro, standing oh. arm in arm, oh, fuck being yeah. like, you disgusting piece of trash, yep. no one's ever going to yep. be your friend. Yep, yep, and even then, I'm not going to be like, but I secretly like you. I'll be like, no, you actually fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> you're going to take Nagatoro's side and be like, you're wasting your time on this guy, you know that? Yeah. Oh, you yeah, to, totally, like... totally. I'll be like, <laughs> I don't know what you see in him, man. I don't know what you see in him. I think it's actually weirdly conventional story in some ways because, like, it has this sheen of, like, all these really horny tropes. But when you peel all that back, what you've got is, like, that that opening scene uh, Ben was talking about is basically a young woman walking in on her aloof upperclassman, working alone in his studio on his art. And, like, that could be from any dozen of, of shows. It's just, instead of it being, like, this... Bishy boy who's with flowers sparkling around him. It's a it's a nerd who who we're encouraged to believe deserves everything he gets, and and, and Andy is hundred percent bought into that. Him deserving but, everything he gets. Yeah, and, and it's also like I, the thing I'd also like about it is, is if you consider sort of all the other wishy washy like insert fan fiction stuff. This is probably the most realistic one because this is exactly what that person <laughs> is drawing. I mean, for the main character uh, to draw bad, uh, okay. bad manga that no one's going to read and is not going to get anywhere. Like, that's probably very realistic for him. I don't like him at sure, all. Sure, but you could, you could have that and a subplot about how the girl's really into candy and it would be a better anime. <laughs> so. Yeah, no, that's true. That would, that would I don't know if I, I do think that that particular show is better than, than this one. I mean, do, I, do, I will do, go to Matt that, 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 that the Gashikashi, yeah. the character, what I, why, I like, why I like Nagatoro more than Yuzaki, which is to say I don't really like either of them very much, is that Nagatoro feels like a real person. Mm -hmm. We were just talking about beforehand, or more of a real person at least. We were talking before the epi episode started recording about how the second episode she he like sees her at at like the restaurant where he's just like hanging out and trying not to be bothered by anybody and he's like she's with two guys who are kind of both like braggarts and full of hot air and he keeps being like oh now she's gonna tear him apart with like oh this is disgusting you think this is a pickup line you need to go away but she just is like no she's like she's bored obviously and doesn't want to talk to them but she's like he realizes that there's a reason that she's torturing only him, whether it's just that she likes his reactions the best or she likes him the best. But 
that's not something that you don't get from Uzaki until we get the the episode 10 reveal that she used to be sad and Senpai made her happy. And that's why she likes him, as opposed to this is a bit more nuanced and has a bit more agency on Nagatoro's side, I feel like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but like, it's still not as good as Dagashi Kashi, which actually has people <laughs> with their own lives separate from each other. I mean, I guess the 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 residual bullying that Nagatoro does is way worse than anything that happens in Sek- in um, Uzaki Chan. So, oh yeah, like it, it and it yeah. drops off dramatically after the first episode. Like she, you could you could tell the mangaka was just like going in, and somebody was just like, "Bring it back just a little tiny bit." <laughs> we don't actually <laughs> want to scare people off. <laughs> yeah, that, that's interesting because this is essentially a copy of a copy. Because obviously, it ha- like a, a which one did come things. first? Actually, you you had a pixiv, you had a pixiv first, and then you had a, a manga, and now we have this anime. And so, I mean, Nagataro is definitely a. a the meme face which launched the thousand ships and like this is what happens when you actually have to build a character around that and actually flesh it out so it's not just like this collection of horny tropes it is still a collection of horny tropes but still i will say um they came out a month apart in 2017 so i don't think that i think that it's just it's a yeah it's a, a cultural there was something in the air overflowing Yes. All right, we've talked about two shows. We got like 30 to go. So I think we should. <laughs> yeah, we should probably move on. Um, this one, this one's going to be quick. Slime Diaries uh, or like whatever the, the spinoff of that time I got reincarnated yeah. as a slime. Slime Diaries, which is like gentle gag stuff. It's good. It's, it's what slime should be. That's all. That's all I got to say. The character, the character designs aren't aren't as like porny and ridiculous. The comedy isn't as much of a cringy power fantasy. It's just a better version of, of the isekai that I'm already watching. Um I wish I could like, I wish I could replace them. Like, ask a genie to, to switch them out and only have one season of like stupid edge lord murder ten thousand people and three seasons of of just like orcs orcs working in the fields to build a beautiful society and like being kind to children and being obsessed with like getting girls to wear pants, which is a very weird subplot that that has. Yeah, I watched a couple of episodes. It's it's all right, but it's it's almost like too much of a nothingness. Like it is like just. Like a, a a cola bottle sweep, which you just pop in your mouth and it's just gone immediately. Yeah. There's absolutely nothing to it, which isn't yeah, the worst I mean, thing. But still, it's, it's good. It's good at late at night. I just turn it on and like yeah. there's going to be zero friction, which is also I think a problem with slime at times. But in this case, it's a gag anime, so I give it, <laughs> I give it a break. Uh, so yeah, that's Slime Diaries. And uh, next, uh, who here is watching Super Cub? Who's part of the Super Cub Super right, Club? Don't put your hands up. No one can fucking hear you. Putting your hands up. <laughs> so, so, yeah, I was expecting a bit more verbal response. <laughs> this, is, this is good. This is good radio. Uh, so, Duncan and Jeff are both watching it. Indeed. I don't know how much I have to say about this. I had it marked as one of the ones I want to talk a lot about. Uh, John watched an episode and complained that it was a commercial. I think it's a really good commercial about <laughs> about like getting a hobby. Just like a very healing anime about getting a hobby and just like being in love with the object that is the the, the crux, the focus of your hobby, and just slowly like how being ha- how having an interest just like opens up parts of your world. And sure, it's like ridiculous that this is as is often the case in girls doing cute things. Um, everybody is randomly just into this hobby that this girl stumbles upon. <laughs> yeah. Um, but that's cool. I mean, it's just nice to have the teacher come out and be like, "Hey, I see that you got a super cub." Um, this motorbike and it's like your new thing. You just love, love this bike. I have a basket from my old one here, have it. And the other girl who is also a, an owner of a super cub and their friends entirely on the basis that they both own a super cub motorcycle. And in fact, 
the main character girl says, um, we're, we are both owners of super cubs. It's a different relationship than friendship, perhaps closer is an actual line that's, <laughs> that's, that's in there. Um, and if that's not cute girls doing cute things to a T, yeah. I don't know what is, how but yeah, it it's com- just, how does it compare to one off? I don't know what that is. It's exactly the same. It's about a motorcycle club. She's so she, so the main character of super cub is an orphan who is living alone, has no friends and is poor and just seems miserable and is living in this weird washed watercolor world. Um, and one day she sees, uh, sees a guy passing her on her bike on a scooter. And she's like, I want a fucking scooter. And so she, she <laughs> says it that exactly like that. She's like, fuck that fucker. I want a scooter. Uh, so she goes and sees that scooters cost like, cost like hundreds of thousands of dollars, like hundreds of dollars, a thousand dollars. And then the owner's like, Hey, we have a used super cub for a hundred dollars. And so she learns how to ride a super cub and it's just like her, like slowly tricking out her bike, slowly learning that she needs to like buy goggles to wear, that she needs to buy a raincoat for when it's raining, that slowly, she needs a luggage rack. Slowly discovering the concept of goggles and the concept of wind. Yes. <laughs> and the concept of going other places besides her, like depressingly <laughs> small hometown with one store. It's just nice. It's nice. It's he- it's a healing anime mm-hmm. at its core. Right. And I, it's just, it's, it's very interested in like the mechanics of owning a super cub, but it's mostly processed through how she's emotionally experiencing having friends based on her super cub mm-hmm. and having freedom based on her super cub. It's, it's, uh, it's so. it kind of reminds me of like the Rin parts of Eureka, but with a little bit more pathos because it's very much like a procedural of like, Oh, like, you know, I, this is how I like attach my helmet change to my, my oil. Yeah. That's how I change the oil. That's how, <laughs> but there's also just this sense of her, like, crawling out of the like a pit of despair in a sort of like the march comes in like a lion sense of yeah, like you know that's a good that's a good connection like her like her life is a bummer except for this one thing and it's slowly dragging <laughs> her out of despair <laughs> she puts she puts the she puts the motorcycle outside her window of her apartment so she can open her open her curtains and just look at her motorcycle and be happier and they do that like Every other episode, it always gets me. It's just sweet. Yeah. It's got a different art style that's very good, except for the really bad CG motorcycle parts. Which is unfortunate but, for a motorcycle anime. <laughs> yes, it's very unfortunate. But it was interesting that that you you mentioned that because like I read that as as just ang- anxiety over it getting in half, getting nicked. Basically, <laughs> it was like whenever you like anyone who's ever owned a, a bike, like the. The first thing you get told is, oh, you have to have a lock and you have to, you don't go, shouldn't park it by there. Her her putting it outside her window and just like watching it like a hawk to me was like, like this this kid's finally found something to, to, to grab onto. Don't let it be stolen. Like, I don't want like a heartbroken <laughs> teenage girl crying well, as that's... the only thing she loves is took from her. That was, that was like what the... A couple of the anime news network reviewers said in their preview is that they thought that they couldn't enjoy it because they felt like they were going to bring down the hammer at some point and something bad was going to happen to her super cub and we're going to watch her psyche implode. And it's not that kind of anime. Like I said, it's a healing one. It's just about her really enjoying a hobby slowly. I think that that first the first episode might have given people wrong impressions, like because the the one th- when she sold it the one thing you didn't didn't mention is like she's only able to afford it because the garage owner says oh you can have this one for like a thousand yen and she's like wow that's amazingly cheap why is it so cheap and he's like oh yeah two people died 
<laughs> okay. She's like, fuck it. <laughs> yeah, she, she, no, no, no. She's like, I wouldn't mind dying, so I'm gonna go ahead and own a supercar. Win-win. Cheap motorcycle I mean, and early I look, death. I look forward to the reviewers then complaining after watching the whole season that nothing bad happened. Well, that would be that would be Anime News Network playing playing to its strengths. So <laughs> <laughs> it's a shame we can't we can't transition to some of Jeff's some of Jeff's shows at this point. But I got two more to go through. Two more. Uh, first, uh, so there is a sequel. Uh, there is a twenty five a sequel to a twenty five year old anime, Battle Athletes Victory. Y'all remember me watching that? Yep. There's a the show where like a girl is competing in like an intergalactic uh, space Olympics um, against like women who are like half car and stuff. They have a sequel to that called Battle Athletes Victory Restart, and I don't know why this exists. You'll hear this with the next one I talk about too. I don't know why this exists. It all the characters are like named after the characters in the original show, but like the premise is dumber where like apparently the person who wins the space Olympics um, becomes the Cosmo queen. Who's like the queen of all of the solar system. But then we're told immediately by like three guys doing a, doing a Zele doing like a, doing like a anonymous uh, digital meeting where they talk about how they actually rule the world. They say that the Cosmo queen has no, the Cosmo beauty Cosmo queen has no actual power. And then we just, see these characters do a lot of sports the main girl she worked grew up on a farm and she loves potatoes that's that's the only joke she brings up potatoes a lot isn't that weird um and they they climb a rock wall and they run a race and they play dodgeball and it completely misses all of the charm of battle athletes victory and i deeply resent it for existing um (laughs) so so there's that it's also like bad art from a no-name studio all the voice acting is really weird. All the cuts are like too long. It like comes off like a student film where like there'll be too much dead air after a scene ends. And then uh, there'll be just like a silent pan up of it just I don't know. Like, I don't know who thought like we're going to we're, we're going to revive this mildly beloved property from a quarter century ago and make a lazy sequel to it. That just is basically a in place sequel slash remake. I don't know. Don't watch Battle Athletes Victory Restart. I'll be watching it to the bitter end to see if. It deserves to exist, but my my advanced judgment is no, it does not. Is it based off of any like manga, existing manga or anything? I don't believe I don't believe it's based on a so Battle Athletes Victory has a very weird history where it was it it was a manga that was made into an OVA that changed a bunch of the characters, and then they made a sequel that's also well, they made a sequel that's basically a remake again called Battle Athletes Victory that is slightly more faithful to the slightly more faithful to the manga. And I don't think that Battle Athlete... Oh, yeah, Battle Battle Athlete's Victory was a manga which ran for a year last year and just finished in March of this year. And now they're making an anime series of it. I'm trying to see, is it... It's not by the same person. So that's... That's not great. (laughs) But... um, Maybe it's one of those, like, cross-promotion things. They do that occasionally. But it it started in July of 2020, and now the anime is being made, and in spring 2021 it's very it's i don't know like I, I don't have much more to say i'm not even all the way caught up I'm, I'm one episode behind but like the weird people the weird people on the moon are still there who like are pacifists who like believe in living with animals except the animal is a kangaroo with boxing gloves as opposed to a cow which if that's not an encapsulation of how much of a step down battle athletes victory restart is then i don't know what is because that cow is hilarious and this <laughs> and and this kangaroo it's just an asshole. He gets to go to events. They have a seat for him that he gets to sit in. Ugh. 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 Moving on. Moving on to slightly less ugh. 
there's a second season of Zombieland Saga, Zombieland yep. Saga Restart. Um, I don't know why they made it. It's just another idle anime. The zombie stuff doesn't even matter anymore. There aren't as yep. many jokes this time. You have to admit that, Andy. Uh, no, I, I think there's still a lot of jokes. <laughs> there's a really Maybe good... there's less funny jokes. <laughs> I thought the first episode had a lot of like amazing jokes where he's sort of hope like homeless in a bar and then there's like a whole thing where the bartender's like oh you're gonna do that zombie land saga like getting the name of the title in of the anime yeah. and then <laughs> a really obvious title drop yeah and doing like a whole bunch of stuff where he's like it's the zon shushu and he's like fred shushu and he's like clearly really bought up there's also like great physical comedy where uh sakura is on the roof uh with junko and then his her head her head falls off the body and the, the body slides down and then she's just the head and then the body slowly comes up as it's uh as it's pulling i think there's loads that's of the only that's the only joke they have though they have that in the latest episode where she's trying to pull her up on yes. stage and her arm almost comes <laughs> off and then she electrifies herself and uh-huh. then they all get electrified and that allows uh-huh. them to be auto-tuned and also that yep. to have cg effects that are happening in real yep. time in front of people yep. Yep. So, didn't they get hit by lightning in the previous season? Is yes, that like, they did. yeah, that's why. That's Duncan, we... are you, are you saying that they're repeating all their best moments from the last season with actually no direction? Yes, I agree. <laughs> okay. I agree. That's but... that's in fact. Hey, hey, guess what? Junko and I are fighting again because because they think that they're not. Both of them think that the other's not committed to the group. Doesn't but... that sound like last season? Huh? Weird. I, 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 honestly, this is the thing. I can't remember uh, because I just remember <laughs> enjoying it. But I mean. To be, to be fair, I could not remember any of the characters when we came back. They're like, oh, the group's kind of broken up and they're all working odd jobs. I'm like, who are these people? Oh, I remember her, <laughs> I guess. I I mean... I, there's trans rights girl. There's the two idols. Yep. There's other girl. There's the uh, zombie girl. And then yeah. there's old-fashioned girl. Yeah, yeah. I I really <laughs> like um, this show and I'm glad there's more of it. I mean, I'm not, I'm not surprised. I'm mostly frustrated that it's just slowly turning into just like an idle comedy anime Mm. and that like the really weird shit about them all being imprisoned inside a, inside a rotting manor and just getting like abuse screamed at them. We've had one abuse screaming scene from Miyano Mimoru. But I would say, I would say that if they've pulled out all the stops to remind you what was good about the first season, as in all these conflicts, then the rest of it's going to be new, untouched grounds. Uh, Are you willing to bet on that? Are you willing to no, to, to place I just, another bet? I just think it's going to be more more comedy idol stuff. But you know, there was a bit of I don't know whether they'll go into it. They'll dive deep into it. But you know, Iron Phil came in and they had a big thing, and it was a pretty cool concert. To be fair, I really liked the concert, the gig that they That's did, the... and and then like. They were like, okay, my the biggest group, I the biggest contest for us, Iron Phil, the biggest band in Japan right now is Fran Shushu, a band that no one's ever heard of. So there could be, if they are clever, they'll build off of that. Uh, it feels like we have an episode, we recorded an episode. But he's, he's explicitly said that we're not going to tour. They're just going to stay in Saga. So they're just <laughs> going to continue to like go to Saga shit and be like, hey, it's a temple. Hey, have some fried chicken. I don't know. My, my main issue is that between the two seasons, supposedly they had a disastrous con- concert that destroyed their fan base and made them no names in the course of a month. And then the first episode is them just like fixing it. And then by the third episode, they're opening for one of the biggest bands in Japan. So it doesn't even have like the idol striving stuff. They just worry all episode that they can't do something. And in the episode, they do do it, which is what I think of as the idol formula. And I was hoping for like 
a bit more weirdness or a bit more like ambush. They have a radio show now, Andy. They just oh, got a radio show handed to them. But wasn't that amazing? <laughs> like that guy with the massive pompadour that was that had who's like, apparently who's apparently voiced by a, like a beloved saga pop culture figure. Mm-hmm. Uh, wouldn't surprise yeah, me. Wh- white White Ryu is like like a literal reading of this guy's last name or something. I, and but, I, I, I love it. Like I, I thought that his character was insane and beautiful. That's the episode's one joke. That's the thing. And it was good. It was a good joke. Okay. That I, that I, really I, want, <laughs> I, I, I think, I think I, my feeling will, will wrap this up because we're just talking in circles. Yeah. I feel like, I feel like we are getting more typical idol bullshit at the cost of, at the cost of the outrageous comedy that I think of as the first episode. And I admit that maybe miss me, misremembering the first season, but I do feel like this is just much more a standard idol show where the women who are idols happen to be zombies. One last thing. I did like that. They shift to shifted to four by three aspect ratio for the nineties girls music video. Um, that was, that was a joke I actually like. It was a joke that Bakemonogatari already made in the Monogatari series second season opener where it's Kaiki and uh and Senjo Gahara. Mm. But I still like it. I like when you shift to like mm. the shift to like the boxy aspect ratio to show that this is something from the 90s. Um yeah. But yeah, I don't know. I'm going to keep watching cuz I keep watching everything. Um I did not know what I wanted from a second season of Zombieland Saga, and I feel fairly strongly that it turns out they didn't either. So we will see where it goes. I, I don't know. I, I think I personally, I feel that Zombieland Saga's got legs, and I think they're, they're definitely trying to make it into a big franchise. I think there's a game coming out soon. There's a lot of stuff in the works. There's always a game Land. coming out, though, Andy. Yeah, I know, but there's a lot. There's always a girl. There's always a lighthouse. There's always a mobile tie-in. Yeah. So... Anyway, talking about shit that's very um, 90s, I've I've been watching um, for my sins, uh, How Not to Summon a Demon Lord Season 2. It's not very good. Uh, The best bit is that there is a very famous, uh, I think, 80s, 90s guy called DJ Koo, who does all the opening music. uh, And it's really bad. He's like one of those like EDM, like early dance music guys. And he just sticks it. He just like sticks in his own voice, be like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, come on, let's go party!" And it's oh God. Uh, it's really that producer bad. shit. I hate that. Yeah, Ugh. yeah, it's oh, it's really bad. And he's in the ending as well. Oh, it's bad. Uh, the show is also ridiculously bad. I, I forgot everything about it, and I was like, "How also is that getting a second season?" Uh, and then I was like, "Ah, there's <laughs> anime titties and." Uh, <clears throat> It's bad. I will say really quick to interject. Uh, one thing I didn't say about Dinozenon is that like the chorus break for the opening theme slash the only music in the entire anime. It's the, one of those anime where like the credits music, like the OP music just comes in mm. during the drama scene. It's always good when it breaks into the chorus. Um, yeah, it's a good season for music, I feel. Yeah, I, th- I think that the song that even the Zombieland girls performed in the latest episode was pretty good. Yeah, no, the music in Zombieland is really good. I think it's Futa. I can't remember his name. He's done a bunch of Idol Master songs as well, and they've been pretty good. Um, but mm. yeah, he's he's good. Uh, but yeah, uh, unlike Summon, how not Summon a Demon Lord, <laughs> which is bad. I've completely forgotten the story. It's about a guy who's from it's another about world. How not to summon a Demon Lord? Yeah, he, like, two girls summon a Demon Lord. It goes wrong, and they get shackled to like a weird slave thing, and then they're just like incredibly horny for this guy who's meant to be evil from another world, but he's not. He's actually a good guy, and. Uh, it starts off and there's a holy new character gets like the classic anime tentacle monster tries to like rip her clothes off and fuck her. But then it doesn't happen because he interjects 
And it's bad and it continues being bad and I'll keep watching it's it. It's bad and continues being bad is the name of this podcast. <laughs> yeah. But what, what isn't bad but is notably old school is Tokyo Revengers. It's about a guy in the early 2000s, in current day, who, um, killed, who dies, uh, finds out that his girlfriend of, that from high school uh, dies in a, car ac- in a truck accident and then she, he gets pushed off a train track and dies. But he then, as he dies, gets transported back to his uh, high school life where he is a little shit kid and he realises that he's like a little punk Yankee and it all happens to be... He has his girlfriend and it's sort of like the, the catalyst for everything that happens in his life and everything that's happening now. And he is on a quest to save his, um, his ex-girlfriend in the future, current girlfriend in the past... Uh, his future ex-girlfriend his future yeah. ex-girlfriend and uh and it's really charming like the main guy go- uh the main character is um he's kind of just like a really weedy kid but he's driven he's sort of driven by what he knows in the future it's really it's really really good it's really fun the characters are really great it's got that classic like if you've played the yakuza series if you've watched mm-hmm. gto like it's got that classic like bad boy attitude but good at heart sort of thing uh, and uh, I'm I'm really enjoying it. The only problem I have is the like the manga looks beautiful and really unique and original, and the anime just looks like the guy who drew Seven Deadly Sins. And I don't know why they didn't go with the original manga art because wow, it's stunning. I'm looking at the I'm looking at the yeah. manga artists. Yeah, it's stunning. It's completely different from how they usually draw faces. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and then this looks like budget budget Full Metal Alchemist. Yeah, for the, yeah, for it, the characters' pretty faces. Pretty much. Yeah. It's a real shame. It's a real real shame. It's good though. Like the show is good. The story <laughs> is really fucking good. It's just yeah, real shame that they didn't keep this original art. And I. I imagine because it's like either the I don't know who the anime the character designer was, but he didn't I didn't have the gumption to go with the original art, or just didn't have the skill, um, or it was hard to animate. Who knows? But it's a real shame. Uh, but apart from that, absolutely loving it. I think it's uh, it's pretty it's pretty fucking great. Um, the other stuff I'm watching is oh I'm watching uh, the world ends with you. The animation, which is based off the video game that I played on the DS years and years back and loved. And you know what? The first episode, I was like, this isn't that good. It's really not that good a story. But then the second episode comes in and I'm like, ah, it's getting there. It's getting there. I wouldn't recommend it unless you really like the video game and you want to remember what happened in the plot for the sequel that's coming out in like three months time, which is almost definitely why they're doing it. Um, (laughs) But it is also a a prime example (laughs) of a show that exists purely like a prime example of why just because you like something it shouldn't be an anime because it's not that good (laughs) (laughs) um and uh yeah and and then i think uh well i've watched 300 years of slime but duncan you're going to talk about that so i I mean we can just talk that that quickly now because i don't have that much to say about it like uh, nor do i i don't really like i didn't really like it i thought it was a bit boring (laughs) (laughs) i mean I've I've ended up like finding that it's like one of the most variable shows this season. Like it tends to have episodes which are either in good and enjoyable or just complete trash. And like there's no mid between. It's it seems yeah. to to like I I enjoyed the first episode, which I know you 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 didn't because it was just kind of like okay, 
I've had a shitty life. I'm now going to relax. And I, I thought that was kind of like, yeah, that's I, that's cathartic and, and a, a nice idea. Um, but the way they executed introducing her, her friends in the episodes afterwards was quite ham-fisted at times. And they they liked making a, a bit too many booby jokes for an all-female all cast. Um, but the, the fourth, like... And so I was going following the free episode rule I was I was ready to drop it but I thought oh well I'll watch the fourth one and oh that's actually surprisingly good again because they actually have finished in introducing everyone and now they can actually just have fun with um uh, a overpowered uh, witch battling uh, a f- entire family of dragons and that was just fun and actually animated well which was something it had shown absolutely no inclination to doing it until that point it had just been kind of s- there's this tier of animation which I'd say is serviceable. Like, do you, you know what I mean? It's like uh, where they do, just do what's needed to, to sell the, the jokes. Nothing more. There's no mm-hmm. flourish. There's no real care to it. And that, no lots of, Yeah. <laughs> and uh, that, that's not giving me what I want. If I can't make gifts of it, <laughs> it's, it's, it's... I mean, if you want to hook me... It's a good me, way to make Duncan not like your anime. <laughs> if you, if you, you want to hook me, you, you only need 10 seconds in your show just like this perfect bit of animation and I'm I'm basically hooked for the other 20 minutes of trash um but this was I prefer it to slime diaries just about when it's good it's slightly better but when it's worse it's considerably worse but I'm that's a hell of a statement then Duncan. That's, that's <laughs> but I I think I think it's, it's it's one of those shows where like a light novel the the premise is great but then they don't nail like then you get you know what the premise is coming in because you read the fucking title and then you're like okay I'm bored it's not fun and interesting. Uh, anyway, uh, the other thing I've been watching is let's make a mug too. Watch the first episode of that. Really boring about a girl <laughs> who tries to make mugs because it turns out her mum is a super mug maker and no one fucking tells her. Not even her dad who starts a who starts a. You know what? It's not even worth me getting into it. It's really, <laughs> really boring and not fun. You're not allowed to bail on the synopsis, Andy. <laughs> okay, fine. His, his, she, she goes, she starts a new school because her dad starts a, moves and into like a city ta- uh, country town and has a uh, cafe. She's then like, hey, I know what I'll do. I'll do what a normal person would do. I'll steal my dad's pottery and then take it to the to the school and be like, hey, my school, my, my dad's cafe just opened. Come look. Look at all the pretty coffee cups we have. And then someone goes, oh my God, I know that coffee cup. It's from the famous person. And then he's just like, oh, whoa, 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 whoa. How do you know this person? That's my mother. And uh, it turns out her mom is a really famous pottery, but they never fucking told her. And also... <laughs> was at this school. It's baffling that she knows nothing about her parents. Her dad's never told her anything. And that for a famous pottery girl, like, it's bad. It's, and then also, animation's passable and the, the, it's really boring and slow and bad. And that was, like, the first episode. And it turns out that actually she really likes pottery. And then she asks her dad, Dad, can I be pottery too? And their dad's like, no, you can't. Because... <laughs> Unless it's Bucky the Grappler, I yeah, guess. Yeah, and it's just like, I, you know, I don't even care. I just don't care. It's boring and I don't like it. Anyway, um, a show that I was wrong slightly about the first episode being bad um, was... <laughs> slightly, uh, faint pace. Technically, <laughs> technically. Not even, not even really wrong. No, you, could say sure. right. you could say right. <laughs> I, <laughs> to your eternity, which I know, Duncan, you're a big fan of. Um, I really really didn't enjoy the first episode it's one of those shows which starts off being like you 
you want to cry and you're going to cry. And I could not <laughs> emote or get involved in any of the emotion at all. The first episode is about... Uh, it's like got, it starts off with a narrator who narrates it, so you're already like. But he's the best narrator, though. He's a fine narrator. He and he gets he it already like disembodies you from the whole show because it starts off with a magic man makes a rock that can turn into things who it, which it touches. So then the rock a, a wolf dies on it. So magic man magic rock turns into magic wolf, and then magic wolf finds a person who's in a village in Snowland and you're meant to be really sad because he's like, oh, where's my family? They're going to find... I'm going to find them. They're going to Man, come back and Andy. get me. And... and and, and you I'm, glad, I'm glad you're experiencing the pain, Duncan, that is watching Andy, like, <laughs> totally, like, skim the very surface layer of an anime that you love. And, 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 then, and then, lo and behold, fucking depressed, depressed only child walks for a bit and you're meant to be somehow affected emotionally by this bullshit. And I fucking hated it. And then the second episode's a lot better because he gets out of depressing Snowland and goes and finds a little kid who's very enjoyable and very personable and very likable. Uh, and um, then it stops becoming about a shit guy I don't care about and about like a family and kids and relationships and, and about a, a cult who or a, a, a village who's part of a religion that believes that they should take a child that a child up a mountain to appease a god or some beast um and it's it was good like the, the second episode was a lot better i enjoyed the second episode a lot the first episode can go fuck off and die i really hated okay. it two things about the first episode andy <laughs> one you're complaining that predictable things happen <laughs> It tells you at the start of the thing, these things are going to happen. And then those things happen. Right, but it means that I'm instantly like, I just don't care about anything and I'm not going to get emotionally attached to any of these characters because I know they're not going to be there. Like, why would I care about characters that, I, like, that are not going to be in the story for and, the rest of the thing? More, I'd say almost more <laughs> importantly, almost criminally, like, yeah. you, you, you're like, oh, the kids all boo-hoo, I'm so sad. He is not fucking sad. How, any like the one thing about that first episode which is genuinely like pandering no affecting like... <laughs> i i will say that you do you do really hate being like feeling like you're being manipulated to be sad so yeah it's i it, it, it is that, but it's not even it's manipulating me. But the way that it's presented with this like narrator and and this character who's a rock then a wolf, I'm just like I know I can't connect with any of this i can connect with this it, remi it reminds me so the uh the classic chinese novel dream of the red chamber is also actually about a rock who because it was carved by a goddess gains the ability to like be human sometimes it's about like one of the rock's lives so i wonder if it is actually like a classical illusion uh <laughs> from ancient chinese literature of like a, a rock that is like reincarnated endlessly as different beings and it feels it feels like the way it's told is it feels like a folk tale so that is probably it. I it just I couldn't connect on any level with any of the characters, uh, at least in the first episode, and it really I, was put off it. I just don't get why you think it was trying to make you sad. Like, okay, Duncan, I also watched the first episode, and that whole first episode is this guy with this like improbably chipper attitude, saying like, "All right, I'm this, I'm the last guy here, and I'm just gonna go, I'm just gonna go south. It's gonna be a long walk, but you know, I'm gonna." join up with everybody it's going to be great and he gets halfway there and he finds his whole dead family and he's like well i guess i'll go home now and i'll just 
I shouldn't have come out, but it's fine. I'll go back, and you and me, Wolf, are going to be friends forever. And, oh, now my leg is fucked up, and I've got a horrible <laughs> infection, and I'm dying slowly. And, well, I guess that's it for me. It's curtains. Sorry, guys. <laughs> Poor Duncan. <laughs> Duncan, why do you why do you like this anime? Don't listen don't listen to these haters. I'm glad that it's not just me. I mean, I, th- I think like there's something to hope in in this attitude that the kid has in this in the first episode. Like I don't see it as as chief as like impossibly chipper. I just see it as someone who's just wanting a better future and is just like determined in to step by step move towards that even if he he's not sure that there's any real chance like just this hope that maybe something will get better and just constantly taking that step forward time and time again and like i think that's that's a very human thing to do and like i i know andy finds like the the drawing of of the 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 family on the walls kind of like a very broad brush brush to paint with like it's just a but like the first things people ever draw were their family and and like yeah in the in the in the in the in the theme of it being like a folk tale it did have like a very sort of like old-fashioned tale where it's like don't go into the woods because something bad will happen and then that kid goes into the woods and all the bad things happen to him and he dies and so you 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 know Take that lesson as you will. And then the next episode, and, and, and yeah, like the next episode, like Andy said, like you are introduced to more characters. You would get a very fun, ganky girl perspective character who, and it's no longer like, you know, the, you know, like most good shows where like there's a big supernatural guy, he's an incidental character that everybody else sort of reacts to rather than being the main focus. And so you get like, you know, a story about this girl who's trying to escape being sacrificed on top of a mountain and this immortal weird wolf boy rock thing is sort of involved. And it's, it's kind yeah. of like a, an excuse to have like, you know, as a framing device for this other story, which is great. And the, the, the other thing is that this is something where there are, there are gods and like God is a real presence in, in the world. Obviously like a kid being sacrificed to the God is, is not, a good thing and but the way that they frame marsh's reaction to it and and like her event her like trying to run away and then accepting it and and the reason she accepts it is is really interesting because it's like a a look at a frame of mind where of a a people and a person who uh, believe in a god who believe in the supernatural and it's nice to have a non-modern viewpoint, not always assuming that the rational um, thing to do is the right thing to do or f- for that person. I don't believe that March did believe that what she was doing was right. She was just being needlessly sacrificed. And also, her parents were crying and being like, no, don't take her away. I, I don't know whether I'm buying that side. Is that everything for you, Andy? But, um, yeah, I think, I think that is everything for me. I will keep watching um, To Your Eternity because it is getting better. Okay, so we'll go from, go from that to something you haven't watched. Shadow's House is really is a, a show which is really interested in what you can determine from what is emitted. It, it's like about characters defined by negative shapes and plots defined by mysteries. Like 
we follow our principal viewpoint character, Emilico, and we know as little as she does initially that the Shadows are a noble family and that to serve them is the pride and joy of every living doll. And Emilico is uh, one of these dolls and who acts as the face of her, her Shadow Kate. And we we meet them in Kate's room, which is this luxurious, like almost baroque room, but it's covered in soot because the shadows are not these like weird ethereal ghosts or or things. They're they're very physical beings. Like the fact that they look like silhouettes is because they're covered in this soot, this black substance which covers them and spills out into the room and slowly dirties everything surrounding them because of that they you have these these designs of people which have no faces no expressions and in the plot itself that's what the, the dolls exist for they are there to be the faces of their their masters to show their um expressions to other people so their society can sort of continue to to function like that but in terms of the art, it means, okay, how do we communicate these characters' moods and emotions without actually being able to show a face? All we can show is this silhouette, and that means is they do these really interesting little things like showing someone's woken up by just the movement of their eyelashes or their mood by the mark they leave on uh, something they've touched and what that implies about the speed and the, the sort of suddenness of the gesture. And it, it's really interesting and and beautifully done into it's got it's got some lovely lovely rich backgrounds it's one of these what shows where you just the background art is just 10 out of 10 and and i don't know yet whether or not the central mystery will how far it will carry me but it's, it seems to be building t- towards this thing called a debut, and we don't quite know what that is, just like Emilico uh, is, but we're t- Kate does seem to know that, and we're getting these mysteries slowly peeled back one by one, and I'm hoping that what they'll reveal will be something interesting, but equally, it could be a show where that never happens, and that's, that's po- perhaps the possibility I'm more interested in, like, that we might not get these mysteries fully revealed that it and that it will remain about these characters and how they're interacting with each other because i feel like revealing it would defy defy the point of it i'm I'm gonna say duncan i have a feeling that you will be disappointed on that front i think this show has a very definite mystery that it's going to go after uh like the like the day-to-day life of the characters is sort of reminiscent of like spirited away where there is a lot of just sort of like the day-to-day mechanics of like this is how you take care of a house populated primarily by shadow people and these are the dangers and this is what the people get up to and they're off hours and this is the weird menace in the background of like what's actually going on here and i think that is going to be what the show is mostly focused on like it's like at first when i was like hearing about it i thought it's like oh this is going to be kind of uh like a Downton Abbey kind of like day in the life, but with a little bit more of a, like a supernatural bent to it. But I think there's definitely like, this is like, you definitely get the impression that this, you know, the, 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 the eponymous shadow house is sort of a, like an oddity in this world. Like there isn't really much known about the outside world. The main character, you know, 
her first memories are waking up in this like weird coffin bed in the room attached to her mistress's room and you mm. and so like the world is being re- revealed to her as it's being revealed to you and so you yeah. you know you know the, like the second episode is the first time they leave kate's room and discover that oh there is actually like a world outside of this room and i'm sure at some point we'll discover that there is a world beyond the house and but and just like just the the characterization the the interactions like like the action is fun like there's a, just there's a lot going on it's just a very nicely textured show like i was i didn't say it earlier with tokyo revengers but it has a very similar sort of like like the stakes are very clear the action is very great like you always have a sense of like what's happening like even though you don't really understand like the greater supernatural implications of like what's going on it's like like the minute to minute like character motivations are really there and really solid and really really intriguing and it's really carrying me along really yeah i mean you might be right i think in the in the larger arc outside this core but i I feel like this core is is building towards the the this debut they keep talking about and i think that would be that feels like a personal thing for kate and for emilico and i think i i'm hoping that we get like a nice contained story within this core and that they don't spend too much much of their sort of artistic capital trying to make sure you get the best adventure continues as possible and instead we get a nice satisfying ending at the end of of 12 or 13 episodes we shall see um i don't know if that will i don't know if we shall but um that's 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 my hope i i Um, hope i hope the same for tokyo avengers as well my worry is that it's ongoing so i just feel that we're not going to get that resolution that we need because mm -hmm. i i don't know how much longer this show could that show can run with the central conceit of time traveling so i'll be happy to see what happens with that i'll check out shadow house as well sounds cool Speaking of shows which have um, central conceits which uh, involve time travel, uh, Jeff, I know you're, you along with me are watching Vivi, Flop, mm-hmm. um, which is a, a time travel story about a AI which is sent back in time to prevent an AI apocalypse. And it's a very unreliable narrator story uh, style story where you have this uh, the world's first um, fully humanoid AI um, uh, diva who is a an idol performing at a theme park and one day after her performance uh, a teddy given to her by one of her fans suddenly starts speaking to her it tells her that he is Mas- Matsumoto an AI sent back from the future um, who's here to prevent uh, a apocalypse in it's which is caused by ai's evolving too quickly which we get to see in quite graphic detail in the first few minutes of the, of the show yeah and okay so much so so time travel story and but the bit which just got me interested was like the, the, this one phrase is which you hear at, at some point which is and so begins your hundred year journey and this idea that we're going to be following a single character through the evolution of a society for a hundred years i mean that that doesn't happen often that's interesting that's a a, a hmm. conceit i'm i'm happy to follow that that the time travel isn't just oh we go back to one point it's we go back all the way to the start and 
it keeps on bridging and you don't know exactly what form this future is finally going to take it's action is 10 out of 10 it's it's mm-hmm. absolutely stunning it's um i think it's the best sort of cyberpunk action since ghost in the shell um yeah um wow. it's probably on par with with it but i think that's unkind to ghost in the shell because it's such an old old thing but if you want to see a kick-ass android late lady kicking uh terrorist butts well it's very much got that um down for you and if you want this um defying fate uh and uh time travel story it's got the 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 author behind uh re-zero um providing that plot part and so so far so good um i don't know how you feel jeff my my one beef with it like like you were saying like there are a lot of touchstones with ghost in the shell uh the there is a kind of like existential like philosophizing where you have ais and like the way ais work is that they have one singular purpose in life and then everything they do is in support of that and so a lot of the characters that you run into are also AIs who either are like going to extreme ends to follow their purpose or their purpose has been destroyed and so they go crazy. But the result of that is that it's never incredibly clear if these characters have feelings or if they're just simulated because like Vivi, you know, her primary uh, qualification for being like the savior of the world is that she was the only robot that was still intact in the future that went this far back. And so her purpose in life is to, you know, to make people smile with her singing. And so that's how she sort of justifies going into, you know, like having like combat routines uploaded into her and stuff like that. Cause it's like, Oh, I have to survive this because if I don't, I won't be able to get on the main stage and make people happy with my singing. And so the, like that sort of central conceit starts to get kind of strained and it's hard to tell. It's like, okay, you know, you know, they represent a lot of the robots that she runs into as time goes on. It's like, oh, this is like a second or third or fourth generation version of you. And so like, oh, this is my little sister. But at the same time, it's like, no, these are also robots. And it's hard to tell if like, you know, does Vivi have feelings or is she just like going through subroutines that simulate her feelings? And I think they were very clever in having a lot of the robots that we've run into being robots that exist specifically as like uh, like customer service androids and like you know fake idols and stuff like that because like they have non humanoid like robots in the world. Uh, in one of the episodes, they go to uh, like an entirely android populated island that is trying to figure out how to be more human so they can get humans to like come and visit them. And they look very much like the robots from uh, Nier Automata, which I don't think is, um, you know, an accident. And so you you get that sort of like, you know, and then you also have like the, you know, the human supremacists who hate all robots. But, you know, every now and then they will connect emotionally. T- but it's always to one of the uh, one of the robots that looks human. And so they, it, it gets kind of muddled as to like, you know, what counts as human, who has feelings. And so it's kind of hard to connect, like, you know, like Andy was saying, like it's difficult to connect with the character that, you know, is fundamentally inhuman and whose motivations are inhuman. And like the surrounding story and like the presentation of it are phenomenal. But there is just that little hurdle that's there that's kind of hard to get over because it's like sometimes it's like oh yeah she has like feelings and she's getting annoyed and she's getting angry but other times it's like oh she's just doing the robot deadpan in this like you know high tense situation so it's uh it's definitely worth watching i'm gonna keep watching it and just for the spectacle of it but 
as far as like the emotional connection is it's kind of hard to make the bridge for me yeah i I, th- I think that's definitely a weakness and whether or not they are able to resolve it is a, is a big question because like you, to resolve that you have to sort of come up with a concrete decision on what you think consciousness is and that's not an easy thing to to, mm-hmm. to nail down which um, is also you know one of the great pastimes in ghost in the shell as well <laughs> it's true mm-hmm. um yeah mm-hmm. so uh other shows uh, this season, uh, we've got uh, Combatants Will Be Dispatched, which similarly is a show which is trading heavily on its author's other works, in this case, Konosuba. Um, mm. It's basically, if, if you said sci-fi Konosuba, you wouldn't be far off, yeah. but I feel like it's, in a weird way, it's got kind of like an old-fashioned vibe to it. It reminds me a lot of things like Those Who Hunt Elves, where people are a little bit meaner like Kazuma mm-hmm. still is like a, a hero with a heart of gold but I don't get that about Agent 6 he's he's just a bit of an he's a, a bit of an asshole Agent 6 like much like Kazuma like he cares about his friends but he doesn't have a like like he, he doesn't have like pure motivations he's very self-serving he's very corny and I think that the, the, the difference is maybe that Kazuma just wants a quiet life, whereas Six has been told, okay, you're a member of this evil organization and, and you the way you're going to get what you want is by doing just these petty evil things and acquiring evil points. And like so much of it is is that petty acts of, of meanness are, are rewarded, like literally not with like a big ka-ching and points leveling up every time he does some a little... Sh- this little shitty action to someone which is which is a joke almost exclusively used as a reason for him you know a mechanical reason for him to like perv on girls and like flip their skirts and take pictures of them in uncompromising positions and things like that because that's what the show is this show is a very horny mean show more so than Konosuba but very similar in vibe and yeah Simon says it's a Chasm is not horny and mean he's just he's just mean but not with a evil I don't know I mean, he's, 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 oppor- I feel like Cosmo is opportunistically horny and opportunistically yeah, mean. Go. It's not like mm-hmm. it's, it seems like it's a failure of his own like moral compass or virtue that he mm-hmm. becomes a shitty person because he doesn't think of himself as a bad person. Yeah. Um, it sounds like maybe there's a, a different dynamic going yeah. on with combatants will be dispatched. It's not very different though. <laughs> <laughs> not in, in effect, not very different, <laughs> yeah. but in terms of what, what brand of fig leaf you're wearing over, over your, unmentionables yeah. yeah um other shows this season we've got megalobox 2 which has been a show which is i'd say distinct Im- improvement over the first season um it still has that um sort of video cassette aesthetic to it um which i know is extremely di- diversive and people do not like their high def anime scaled deliberately back down but it's it's made that decision and it's stuck with it so more more credit to it for not not folding on that makes it more visually unique that's what it is straight yeah. away well yeah yeah and if you put like a <laughs> if you just put a black bar but blocking off the middle of the screen that's visually unique too it doesn't make it for a better viewing experience <laughs> I, th- I the interesting thing is like I've I read a article about the history of um Joe boxing anime in and some of their their big arcs um, on Anime News Network. It was a which we'll put in the the links. One of the the big 
arcs is about an, an older opponent who Joe meets and who like teaches him to respect himself in in the ring and to like stop being a, a shitty little punk and actually be a, a a proper competitor who loves his sport and this echoes that we meet this older boxer and he's he's lovable he's he's full of sage advice he's they give him all the best lines and he gets to give the bad guys their comeuppance and spoilers for um megalobox season two in episode four he's dead at the side in his his truck just of a brain embolism or something after about about everyone thinks he's fine he's they're all happy he's won he goes to his his truck to to lie down he never wakes up and like this is an anime called megalobox like it's it's just it's, it's the first season was just kind of fun and dumb like I think, like that's that. It was a sucker punch. Um, it, it lulled you into a false sense of, of security, and then just wham. Um, and I'll be interested to see where it goes from there. Other shows we've got eighty six, which I think Jeff has also watched. Uh, um, yeah, I watched one episode. Yeah, uh, which is entry into the the class warfare um, mech genre, which things such as uh, Gundam and Blooded Orphans. Mm-hmm. Uh, w- have plied their trade so we've got this sort of silver-haired sil- blue-eyed ruling class in a quasi-french uh, republic and their uh, lower class pilots of these mechs which all the public are told are unmanned but shock they're actually manned by these lower class people generally i was kind of frustrated in the first couple of episodes because the Viewpoint character has decided, oh, I, I think I'm going to be kind. I'm going to be the best commander they can have. And and yet you're, you're still there just sending these people off to their doom, just playing along. And then in the third episode, one thing which very rarely happens, happens, which is one of them calls her on her bullshit. And that was like, OK, maybe I might give it a bit, few more episodes. And I still don't know if it's going to revert type or if you're going to get something which is a bit more nuanced than it's very tropey setup yeah i I watched that first episode and i mostly just came away thinking i should just watch more unblooded orphans the <laughs> like 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 the hard done by like kids out in the front like weren't as charming the weird like upper class like fake french empire people were not as interesting as the earth empire in gundam so i was just kind of like unless like somebody you for example comes around and says wow this show gets really good towards the end i'm probably not going to watch any more of it unfortunately yeah it's 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 living on borrowed time and i i still do not know if i will uh two other shows very very quickly um uh, the Saints Powers of Omnipotent, which is a East Sky romance. Yeah, speaking of like synchronicity in TV shows, another lady gets isekai'd and decides to opt into a slow life in this fantasy world using her magical powers to get by. It's nice little twist being that she and another girl are summoned at the start and they assume that there's been a mistake because the saint is is there's normally they normally summon a saint every generation and there's normally only ever one person so they've summoned two and she doesn't look like she's the saint so and so they pick the other girl as as their saint and she's just sent off to have a normal life 
and slowly we're getting revealed to us that mm, maybe they made the wrong decision and mm-hmm. like she has power and it seems to be omnipotent that's strange <laughs> yeah yeah that's all uh for it uh framing to show lots of uh b- bishy boys in positions of power who uh fall no- over her and to have this uh blushing a girl who didn't think much much of herself come out of her shell, and mm-hmm. that's that. Those the that's the good part. It's it's her sort of finding her voice and deciding what she wants to do with herself. Because mm-hmm. unlike um, Slime Diaries, which where it's kind of this woman was literally worked to death, and now she just wants to relax. This is more like that woman's life felt purposelessness to her. Just rinse, repeat, just keep doing, keep going and just not really having any aim. And here's her finding her, uh, a purpose to her life. And that's kind of nice and sweet. Last, uh, lastly, of the, 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 the quick ones, uh, we've got those Snow White notes, uh, a uh, Shimasen um, playing uh, a club drama, which is, Shimasen is a very... It's, it's a Japanese string instrument which is primi- which, of which the skill is primarily defined by the speed that someone can pluck it. We follow a young prodigy. Uh, we see his uh, struggles to live up to his uh, grandmaster, grandfather. And it's the soundscapes it draws and its animation are all very beautiful. But I don't think it, there's much more to it than the standard... Um, music club um i think it's kind of like if you want music anime you'd love it anyway and kind of all the care and the amazing animation in it probably goes to waste because if you don't like a music anime you you even that that mm. great animation won't be able to carry you and the shimasen is, is also just like a beautiful instrument to hear and play so i, I didn't know this anime existed so i, I mean i definitely okay. love music stuff so yeah Maybe this is one you you can watch a couple of and and get back to me. Um, anyway, so finally, my f- my favorite show, though not necessarily the best show of the the season, is Mars Red. Um, so Mars Red opens on Misaki, a young actress, uh, giving a performance. The camera follows her hand; she gestures up towards the ceiling and then drops back down to a, a man sitting on the other side of a glass panel. And 20 minutes later, we see her escaping this confinement, wandering the streets of of Tokyo at dawn through this absolutely beautiful woodblock-style background and then meeting this same man outside Tokyo Station, confessing her love to him, then stepping out of the, the shadows into daylight and disappearing in a burst of flame that's because mars red is also a vampire story and misaki is the the first vampire we meet and her death and undeath is the way in chooses to introduce us to its vision of taishiro japan and the series's protagonist the very tassan captain media and his uh, little squad of vampire soldiers it's a show which absolutely loves its theatrical staging time and time again the way the the backdrops and the characters interact is far more intimate than you will see often your silhouettes will overlap characters in the poster and the background as two men walk down a corridor the 
the lights will flicker back and forth as they you walk under spotlights and their dialogue will switch in 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 turn and it's just such a, a visual treat like like and like the fact that this show so much in love with theatrical um staging has has a theater at the center of its its mystery and that it is has chose the um Ben, you'll have to tell me if I'm pronouncing this right, because you you have a far better uh, a grasp of the romance languages. Salome, Sa- Salome, Salome, and just like that story, uh, Mars Red is very much interested in this desire that people have for things which are beyond their reach and things which they maybe shouldn't have in the first place, and that's kind of how it approaches is like the immortality of these these vampires and that the first few episodes are, are kind of centered on this this squad and establishing what their wants are and how their new situation prevents them from um, having those a love left behind or like an, an, a leader unable to protect those he commands and above all a general who just sees th- these values he's fought for being eroded by peacetime as far as i'm concerned that that first episode of this show is is pretty much perfect but i have no idea if if the whole show will stand up to that visual standards uh, but i'd say if you want 25 minutes of near perfect visual storytelling just watch the first episode of mars red don't give a fuck if you watch anything else just watch that first episode it's <laughs> it's honestly standalone you can w- watch that and mm-hmm. you can be curious about what happens next but the story that that tells in those 25 minutes is uh, incredibly beautiful and i'm done <laughs> okay well uh i am next and so uh well first uh yeah i've got just a couple of shows left to talk about uh the first is pretty boy detective club uh boy howdy is that ever an seo eason novel being adapted by shaft um <laughs> it is the story of, of a club of pretty boys who are detectives helping uh a girl named uh dojimite mayumi uh to figure out a weird thing that happened in her past which creates a sort of very silly conspiracy to unfold around her. Mm. And for the most part, the show plays out very similar to Monogatari. That's not just me having Monogatari brain. <laughs> uh, it's a lot of like sort of dreamy, like scenes where two people have strange conversations. And so far, so good. I don't have a lot to say about it as of yet. I probably won't need to devote several hours of rewatch tweens in the future <laughs> uh and the last two shows i'm this, i'm going to kind of break the format because these two shows are very sort of linked in my brain uh the first is Higa hero which uh translates to after being rejected i shaved and took in a high school runaway uh the second is koi kimo which is is disgusting to call this love uh i mean the, this that second title sums it up yeah <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and both of these shows are about a improper age gap between a guy in his 20s and a girl in their late teens sort of being thrust together into a romantic relationship or a quasi-romantic relationship. Uh, Higehiro uh, is a like an office man who gets rejected by his boss who he's been crushing on for years. 
uh, and comes across a high school girl who is apparently homeless, who offers her body in exchange for a place to stay. And he says, you don't need to do that. You could just come live with me. And the show unfolds as like her sort of like discovering that human relationships can be good and that sometimes kindness does not require cost. And he of course also has like a cast of other women who are trying to, you know, have an excuse to be around him and it all plays out somewhat unconvincingly. Uh, (laughs) But like the primary like fantasy here is, you know, sort of similar to uh, Koi Kimo, but from the other direction. Uh, Koi Kimo is about a high school girl who just kind of incidentally like runs into her friend's older brother, who is this like womanizing playboy. He's brilliant and rich and everything else. And, you know, he, you know, she like saves him from falling down the stairs at a subway station and then gives him her lunch because he looks like he's like, pale and sickly and so he decides that like oh i'm gonna repay her by like you know doing the thing that i usually do which is just like being a weird creepy pervert and then she turns him down and that's apparently the first time that's ever happened to him in his life and so he like (laughs) reverts back to being a like a middle school and his middle schooler in his brain and i'd like you know basically like if you describe the things that he does in this show they are literally the textbook definition of grooming a a teen for sex but because this is a jose (laughs) romance show what's actually happening is that she of course immediately sees through all this but also sees the spark of good in him and that spark also ignites like genuine feeling in him and so a lot of this show seems to be them sort of like you know having a weird relationship where like, you know, obviously this is no good, but you know, she has feelings that she doesn't understand for him and he is slowly becoming like a decent person. And I'm sure I like, I know I'm trying to swear off like predictions, predictions, but the story will end with a time skip where she, you know, where the age gap doesn't matter anymore and they'll get together. But in both of these cases, the, the, the fantasy is like, you know, either, you know, you insert yourself as the guy in Higa Hero or you insert yourself as the girl in Koi Kimo. And it's like, you know, this like the, the hero of this story understands the fraught nature of this relationship and they will do it good, well and then it will end up good, actually. And I like I don't recommend watching any, either of these shows. I'm just like kind of fascinated by them and. Like, 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 because well, they they got such a they got such a negative reception on Anime News Network, or weirdly, Koi Kimo got got written off as disgusting, while Higahiro got written off as disgusting but watchable, which yeah. is a very odd and needle to thread. I would I would like absolutely argue that the reverse is true. That Koi Kimo, at the end of the day, is written for, written from a woman's perspective and understands like the gross nature of this relationship but then tries to like salvage something out of it. Whereas the other one is just a pure male fantasy of, you know, if I were to suddenly get the guardianship of a random teen girl and kept her in my house as a pet, I would do it good. (laughs) And I I would treat her nicely Uh, and I would, you know, and she would love me and then everybody else would love me. Very chaste. And and, and like (laughs) there's like every other speaking role in the show is just about, uh, just about is a woman and almost all of them to a T are primarily worried about his well, well-being because they're like, Oh, like she seems to face, they don't get, you know, don't get hurt in this. And it's like, he is the guy in his like late twenties. She is like a runaway who yeah. like 
has been alone for six months and apparently has just like for no apparent reason like they've never really gone into why beyond like she just doesn't believe that like love is real or something and so she just decides to like sell her body until she runs into this guy who's just so amazing and it's just like reigniting her faith in humanity and it's really stupid Higa, watching watching Higa Hero for me is is basically the experience of watching a, a, f- a football team I love playing terribly and just shouting at the screen no what are you doing why no <laughs> no no and, don't do that no and of course like both you know, in both of these stories like if anything actually happens one way or the other immediately ends and so everything has to be locked in amber like very similar to negatoro as well where like no movement can happen or else the joke will disappear so yeah yeah so, you know that that's <laughs> my season this year <laughs> bunch of good shows and a bunch of trash <laughs> trash that you're hoping is gonna like flinch at some point and yeah. like do something different than just like again the time skip until in, to where the relationship is socially appropriate seems almost given mm-hmm Okay, well, let's go ahead and take a break, get some water, <laughs> cooling off our, our overheated <laughs> throats, and then we will talk briefly about uh, Gasaraki and Way of the House Husband. And we're back. We have two anime to discuss that aren't currently airing, or at least aren't currently airing anymore. Uh, first, we're going to be talking about Gasaraki, uh, a Sunrise production by Ryosuke Takahashi. And afterwards, we're going to be doing Way of the House Husband, which just finished up earlier this month, if I'm... Mm-hmm. Just got a Netflix jail. Yeah, Netflix jail. Uh, it was all just a single drop, I think, of five episodes. Right. Yeah, it wasn't like an airing series. No, 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 no. So you've probably heard me alluding to Gasaraki a lot. Uh, I was recommended this anime... Uh, a long time ago because people like, oh, well, like, yeah, a lot of Mecha is like nonsense trash with like completely unhinged storylines. But Gasaraki is this very realistic near future anime. It's like staunchly anti-American in an interesting way. And it integrates like no drama and Shintoism uh, as like important elements of its of its world building. And sorry, just to interrupt, no drama is N-O-H and not the fact that there is zero drama. Yes. Okay, just just make no, sure. not zero drama. <laughs> no, no drama. <laughs> Didn't even think about that. Thank you, Jeff. Um, so yeah, it was, and it, it's people like, oh, it's it's realistic. It's about like the the U.S. invading an, a a Middle Eastern country, which the fact that it was made in 1998 means that they kind of successfully predicted the Second Iraq War, or, or at least Afghanistan. Um, Anyway, I have had found this extremely frustrating to, to watch. I enjoy a lot of it, unsurprisingly. That's the bin, that's the bin, the bin read that he finds anime very frustrating. So it's a show where there is a sudden energy discharge in a in a Middle Eastern country, and the U.S. leads a, an occupation force, um, including Japanese forces, using these newly developed robots that have been hitherto been used for these kind of mystical rituals where a performance of no drama has this like weird energy effect that everyone seems to be working towards. Um, The invasion grinds to a halt because it turns out that there's another corporation supplying mechs to the other side and they are just completely kicking the Americans ass. And then um, there's a whole plot where the main pilot of one of the Japanese robots and the main pilot of one of the like resistance forces robots try to run away because they both feel they're being used 
And that transitions into a global political techno thriller where the U.S. is trying to boycott grain to Japan to force them to acknowledge U.S. hegemony. And the Japanese, uh, <laughs> the Japanese government basically declares martial law and has a soft coup that, that is, they're going to withdraw all of their investments to make the American economy crash. And then the, episode, the series ends with them contacting aliens who have uh, basically evolved out of existence and they're guiding uh, human evolution so that they can have some company. It goes everywhere. I will say like watching an, a really anti-American military thriller anime is interesting, but unfortunately I think it's more anti-immigrant and anti-globalist. Um, it's very, very much of the opinion that democracy is doomed. Our two choices are military dictatorship or corporate plutocracy. No third option. That's what you get to choose. <laughs> so there is like a lot of the conspiracy stuff. These corporations, they're basically governments within governments um, pushing and pulling the different strings of world politics is interesting. But all the people just don't really exist as people. The most we get are both of the pilots who have this like growing friendship, even relationship. Um, but they're also just like emotionless logic machines. Both of them are highly traumatized by the robots piloting they have to do. It just very much, it's clearly someone was like, well, what if we take Evangelion and we just like really double down on like the global politics, the whole idea and end of Evangelion that like uh, Zela and the UN like conspire to destroy Nerve and how how the, the robots are used as pawns in a political game. Um, I I don't know. It's very interesting. It's by the guy who did Blue Gender, who did Flag, Flag who did Votoms. But it kind of just came off as, as Gen X cynicism to me. <laughs> the thing I like the best is just the fact that they have to pump the... Sh like, to use a giant robot, they have to, like, pump people full of drugs. And so there's, like, a whole... A lot of the drama happens in the command carrier of the robots as they're trying to balance different medications to keep these people reacting without, like, going psychotic or having heart attacks or stuff. Um, so, like, the high realism robot anime stuff I liked a lot. The the geopolitics I thought was kind of trite. The U.S. At, in the end backs down because he's not willing to do a full on invasion of Japan to stop to stop them from crashing the U.S. economy. And the head of the Japanese coup is like, I respect a man who can choose diplomacy over war. We're calling off our plan, too. And that's that's the end of that arc. Cool. I'm glad we spent I'm glad we spent 10 episodes with, with that stuff there. So, yeah, it's interesting what kind of blank checks you could get in the late nineties and early two thousands, if you're making a giant robot anime, because I don't think like, like anti-American geopolitical thriller, but also the robots are there too, um, would have, would have ever been made except in 1998 by sunrise attempting to pivot away from Gundam. And of course it always just ends up pivoting back towards Gundam because you can't get away from Gundam. Was there not some big names attached to it though at the time? I mean, no, it was, it was a, it was a, it was made by an internal Sunrise team. It's a guy who like came up doing, um, came up doing basically the same stuff Miyazaki was doing before he made, he directed, um, I think the second Cyborg 009 series, um, in 1979, 1980. Right. And then from then he's just working inside Sunrise, just getting, he did, he did, does Flag Later, which is an entirely found footage, um, near future, boots on the ground, like war intrigue uh, anime. That's, I think, very, fairly well regarded, even though not very enjoyable to watch because you're just watching and like found footage has has a sense of immediacy. But when you're just doing you're watching people having drawn, having animated found footage, 
it, oh. the, 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 the the conceit kind of begins to feel ridiculous because like they're just choosing to make it look like a different medium. But he's always very experimental. And Gasaraki has a lot of experimentation that I really enjoyed. And even the ending with the aliens is interesting. Heavily, heavily, heavily indebted to Evangelion. Um, but still like a very weird, interesting Gen X cynical take on that sort of dynamic. So yeah, that's Gasaraki. I'll probably be referencing it a lot in the future because like... I think it's it goes even further than like Iron Blooded Orphans or the more realistic Gundams towards like what would it really be like if if giant robots were part of war and how would they become part of the, the geopolitical calculus? Um, but it's just like everyone's so grim and boring and dour. It, and it is kind of cool to see what feels like um, it feels like a lot of media uh, and creative types of very left-leaning and it feels like this is more of a right-leaning oh yes yes and that in itself is interesting you don't see much right-leaning type of uh media and stories mm. i mean i mean you do but it's dressed up differently than this i think Fair is, enough, the, is yeah. the more yeah, yeah you usually have to dig a little bit more to find the the ultra-nationalism and isolationism yeah the ultra i was i there's halfway through the coup i'm like are the ultra-nationalists the good guys because like they seem like the bad guys <laughs> but then they show then they show like the American, like the president and his like staff. And he's like, we can crush these Japanese. They're, they're weak. They've, their spirit's been broken since world war two. And I'm like, I don't think that any, any American actually thinks that about the Japanese. <laughs> uh, I think that the legacy of, of world war two for American Japanese relationships is like grudging respect slash fear slash racism, paranoia. <laughs> I do think that's how Japanese people some view America. Yes. Like, that's what I think Japan thinks America thinks of Japan. Does that make yeah. sense? Like, yes, no, it makes perfect sense. Mm. And I think, I think you're, you're right here. It is, it is a very reactionary idea. Like in flag, it's a lot more the case, but like in both, in both flag and Gasaraki, the people are cattle, like the most, like the powerful will always triumph. Um, like the most we can hope for is that the person who comes to rule over us has accidentally come to believe in an ideology that causes them to be more merciful. That is, that is the hope. It's a pretty dark view of, of the world that, that we have, like if anything good happens politically, it's because we got lucky because politics is entirely greed and will to power. And the people who succeed are the ones who are the most willing to crush anybody in their way. Um, and that's at the macro level, like the U S can just rule the globe because it's willing to just put so much money into its weapons and to like behave so, so churlishly on the national stage. It's at the micro level that like, you know, the guy who's in charge of a corporation who just is like, I'm going to become a God by not caring about people. Cause that's what a God would do. Not care about people. I do think like some version of the, the stabbed in the back trope appears in quite a lot of military or uh, paramilitary anime, like where you're you're shown like the the guy trying just to get his job done to, and to defend the people who's been undermined by the bureaucrats who are just uh, uh, like self serving and manip- manipulating the people, and like like that pops up in things like Pat Labor and. Uh, Mm-hmm. earlier works and that's happening in um, uh, Mars Red to an extent for me this season like the one thing it's presented to me is like uh, this g- general in charge of the unit his end game is he wants to make a unit of super soldier vampires to fight for Japan and it seems like he's presenting that as a good thing and I'm not sure that's a good thing <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm like uh, is no <laughs> and so who knows I'm not sure that's 
there's definitely different political viewpoints out there but i do think like that um those of us of the left do have a, a tendency to write our uh, opinions in large in a way that they're noticeable because the status quo is the status quo and if you're for the status quo and therefore at least on the center right if not on the right itself then things just being as they are that's what you're in favor of so it's not gonna yeah. it's not gonna be notable it's only when you push to the far right that, that it starts standing out as a political viewpoint mm-hmm. mm. yeah i would i would agree that gasaraki definitely thinks that it's depicting geopolitics as they exist plus giant robots and sublimed aliens um and i I, like i said i bet he felt very very vindicated in a very sick way when the u.s invaded (laughs) afghanistan after 9 11 which is like see i knew it i'm a soothsayer (laughs) god damn it and now and now and now japan planning to crash its economy to crash the u.s's economy because japan has martial spirit and and a real affinity for austerity that the u.s can never hope to match um that'll be next except it's not and wasn't Mm -hmm. But uh, <laughs> I think I'm done trying to, like, find the good giant robot anime, except if someone, like, re- recommends a particularly good Gundam, like <laughs> like the 8th MS team or something, because, yeah, Gasaraki was a slog. I was I w- had a drink in hand for most of the time I was watching it. We but... should do a tween on Gundam in my pocket. Oh, War in the Pocket? Yeah, that that was that, that was floated. <laughs> <laughs> that makes it sound like Polly Pocket to me. Po- Polly Pocket, Mighty Max, that sort of thing. <laughs> Is that a Gundam in your pocket? Are you just pleased to see me? <laughs> uh, well, we should do. We should do. We should do a tweet on that. Though. Yeah, no, I think and it'd, be, it'd be an easy watch, and I own it, and it had just had a nice Blu-ray edition, at least in in the US. Mm. Jeff, what have you been watching? I have been watching the Way of the House Husband, uh, which is a slice of life comedy show about a uh, ex yakuza named Tatsu who gives up the criminal life to become a house husband, as the title might lead you to believe uh it's just a goofy comedy um it's for people who re- whose like favorite part of any y- given yakuza game is the parts that have nothing to do with the yakuza or fighting um most of the jokes come from it you know either doing normal stuff in a yakuza way or doing yakuza stuff in a normal person way and you know that 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 gap comedy that a lot of anime likes to lean into and it's very enjoyable and it's very easy to watch it's all on netflix go watch it immediately it's great i will warn you right now that the animation is bad but i didn't mind it all and i i should interject jeff like i think that in itself is the problem it is all that joke the whole joke is that he's a yakuza and he does things yakuza ways and everyone expects him to do yakuza ways but he subverts it and that's literally the joke for five episodes and it's fine but those five episodes (laughs) and it's also a funny joke because like you said yakuza the game series has been trading on it for like 20 years now like it's Mm -hmm. been it's been 20 years and and almost in like almost a dozen yeah a dozen installments and it's a good like don't get me wrong it's a good joke but when you watch it in five episodes heavily condensed it's uh direct to it's a manga animated manga comic it's not even really considered an anime it's literally manga panels animated very loosely um mm. motion comic motion style. comic thank yeah. you uh it feels like it feels like netflix trying to to cash in on a po- on a, a very very popular ip at the moment it's got i think a live action which i believe mm. did, did very mm. very well 
Um, mm. And to me, at least, it's shocking that it's gotten such a bad anime rendition, given its insane popularity. And it's really popular. Um, the, th- the thing is, Andy, those things exist. Netflix put, just bought the rights to them and put them out. It's it's not... <laughs> no, no, this doesn't feel like that way. This, I mean, I could be proven to be wrong, but... It feels like it was licensed by Netflix. Like their yeah. name is in the in the production, yeah. Uh, it's, list. It's not like say Mappers bought it and made it and then no. Net, Net, Netflix paid for JC staff to make it. Yeah, for, for JC staff to produce it. So yeah, it's it feels like a a misstep, a massive misstep. Because it, if it had more money, which Netflix presumably has in its abundance. Like it could be a much much better product. Yeah, but that said, like I I couldn't point out any joke that would have been better with more keyframes between the punchlines. Like I've thought that the things they chose to do were spot on, uh, and like I didn't like I got used to it almost immediately, and uh, like I didn't even really realize that it was a motion comic until somebody pointed it out. Uh, and then it becomes very obvious at least once you're looking for it. There was but. a couple of there was a couple of physical comedy moments, specifically with the cat, that I thought could have been done with a lot of better animation. Likewise, there's a lot of TVs for the get for the manga, which either uses real people or better animation budget. And that's a lot funnier. So I disagree with you there. I know what you mean. Like, it doesn't really change the content because the content is still funny. But I do think it could have done with a bit more love. It's a shame. Mm. And I also feel that after five episodes, I was like, okay, we get it. He's a Yakuza. Where's the plot? Where's anything intriguing? Where's anything that is going to really build this character to someone who I actually care about and instead of being just an XP for one joke. Nope, that's all it is. <laughs> <laughs> it's basically the opposite of Nagataro. For any criticism we may, may throw at Nagataro, it's a fully fleshed out thing. This is just something stripped down to its bare bones and entirely re- reliant on the voice acting of Kenjo Otsuda yeah. uh, to, to carry it because he, he is great. He just absolutely yeah, throws himself into that role and it's just his he, tone is so enjoyable. He also stars in some of the live action PVs. I don't know if he stars in the television drama. I kind of want to track it down. No, and watch it. Television, television drama is a different actor. Yeah, oh, completely okay. different. Yeah. I mean, there's different, there's different actors for the, for the promotional video versus the anime. Like Maya Sakamoto is, is his wife in, in, in the promotional video and they could not afford her for, for the anime. It seems like <laughs> it's she, it's Shizuka Ito instead. And even the, like there was quite a good bit with another Yakuza again, ex Yakuza lady who's now working at like a famiress, and I was like, there's even a bit with her that comes in, and even that, it's the same joke. It's I was a Yakuza and now I'm doing a mundane job. Like it's the same, literally the same joke for everything, and it's yeah. like it's a bit. It was tiresome. For me personally, it was tiresome, but it just happened. It was five episodes. It's really short. The episodes are not long. They're like less than 20 minutes. And Mm -hmm. uh, like it did leave me wanting more, but like I guess going back to Yakuza or or something like Tokyo Avengers, like there's heart, there's real heart in Yakuza, there's real characters in Yakuza, and that's why ultimately people loved Yakuza and love Tokyo Avengers. And I feel that there's just not enough in this. Does that make sense? (laughs) <laughs> yeah, like this, like yeah, like house, way of the house husband is like the meme of Yakuza of people who love it on Twitter but haven't actually played yeah. it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. 
um, which is a shame. I, I wish there was more. I wish there's another studio that would pick it up and give it a lot more <laughs> dedication and love because there's there's probably like the other thing. It goes through like 30, 40 chapters or something like that. I've not read the manga, for, like, but I don't know. I can't believe that they've not skipped out some chapters which maybe have either more heart or less punchline. No, I, I, I had read like the first few chapters a couple of years ago and I didn't notice anything was missing. Like it's very possible that later on it gets a little bit more fleshed out, but for the most part, it, it was mostly just what if this Yakuza guy cleaned his house in a Yakuza way? What if he <laughs> bought some cabbages in a Yakuza way? Yeah. Which I'm not downplaying. That's funny. Other than that, it's great. Okay. Cool. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. Remember rate, review, subscribe to us on your podcast platform of choice. Find us on Twitter at keyframes pod. Uh, find us on Facebook, Keyframes Podcast. Uh, email us questions, keyframespodcast at gmail.com. And of course, tell a friend. But not just any friend, Ben. I would ask your, tell your friend who recently boasted about their favorite mecha show that isn't even Gellion and then get them to write in and tell, them what it, <laughs> tell us what it is. Yeah, 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 that would be a good idea. Wouldn't it? Uh, and tune in next episode. We will be talking about post-apocalyptic positivity, how the end of the world doesn't have to be the end of a good, happy story full of, full of people finding a new purpose in life. So yeah, join in for that. And say goodbye, everybody. Bye! Bye! Bye.